He always seems to get involved, doesn't he? I'm telling you, too many coconuts have hit him right on top of the skull. Well, I think uh, Anthony will be a great acquisition. He can do it all. Avery, whose show is this? Welcome, everybody, to the Lakers Lounge uh, live edition here. Raj Chapalu and I are here to recap an annoying loss, a loss that is made more annoying by the fact that we probably saw it coming, mostly saw it coming. I would probably say uh, the Lakers lose in Memphis uh, 103-93. The series is now tied 1-1. to And, uh, yeah, I, I Memphis played at Coy all the way through to tip off as far as whether jaw was mm-hmm. going to, to be able to go or not knew that was coming when uh, it started looking like maybe just maybe he might be able to go. And I actually started getting more excited because like, I think that would maybe light a fire under the Lakers asses. Um, he did not go. The Lakers start slow. The Lakers, you know what they score 41 points in the first half. Uh mm-hmm. Some low no, amount. not even uh, 44 points. Four, yeah, yeah, so 44 points in the first half. Um, you know, it's just they just never really got it going. They couldn't get stops when they needed to. It just looked like a team that, you know, f- frankly, uh, I don't think took this opportunity very seriously. I, it, it's you know, it's a, it's it was a uh, I don't know. It felt like a culture loss more than anything. How, how do you feel about it? Yeah, this felt like a uh, let's get a let's get out of Memphis healthy kind of thing, you know. Like let's just get yeah. out of here. We kind of got our split, and uh, there's no desperation like a team who's down 0-1, right? Who who has home court. So I thought they came out with the requisite energy, and we just could not match them. Uh, the disappointing part for me though, Anthony, is like this game was there still, even with AD shooting how he did, how D'Lo shot how they did, just having awful, disastrous games. Hopefully, those are the worst games that they have um in the playoffs but this game was still there i thought lebron woke up after the dylan brooks kind of skirmish whatever that was uh, i'm not yeah. sure the exact conversation there between them two but mm-hmm. uh, i thought lebron woke up there but that was the sad part about this our intensity though anthony if you match like our game one intensity and you match like how we started this one just two completely contrasting uh energy and style that we played with and uh, we just had, uh, we just did not come out, and uh, Memphis came out ready. They hit shots. Darren Jackson was incredible again. No, uh, no foul trouble for him. So they played, uh, they played how I thought they would, and I thought we would lose this game. It's just jobbing out had like an opportunity cost there that we just did not capitalize on. Yeah, it felt like. So I, I, I don't know. Have you done many like bachelor parties in your life? No. <laughs> <laughs> all right <laughs> well, i've heard of them though i I've, all right. i know the uh, occasion and uh, I've okay heard of, uh, i've heard of them yes so like every so often you'll get invited to a bachelor party that you kind of know going in like this isn't really going to be my scene i'm getting invited because like i'm a friend of a friend and this person like it just feels like you know you don't really need to be there and mm-hmm. you show up and you try to make the best of it and it just like it just there winds up being stupid drama because the groom is immature and everybody just kind of like Loki doesn't really like the the groom and the vibe of it is just off. And you wind up just getting annoyed. Cause you paid a bunch of money 
to go to this thing, stay at this hotel in Vegas or wherever it is. And, Ooh. and you walk out of it and you're like, I knew that was coming, but it still sucked to live it. Right. Okay. And that, that like this game was just, it, you knew it was coming and you knew that the Lakers, like, especially early, uh, I just saw a stat. I think this is from Cooper. This is uh, a pretty telling stat here uh, that his, man, everybody's tweeting way too much. Good Lord. All right, here's Cooper. So through two games, the Lakers' first half point differential, minus 27. The second half point differential is a plus 34 or plus 32. Uh, and, and yeah, like what it, what it appears to be essentially is like Memphis comes out they're ready for it. And then eventually like the Lakers ease themselves into it. Something pisses them off and then they really start playing. And, and like, it's, it's such a perfect amalgamation. Like it's such a perfect encapsulation of this season, right? You start the season, the Lakers started the season with a roster that everybody, like nobody actually believed in. They took forever to finally make a trade. Um, mm -hmm. They, they do finally kind of rehaul the, the, the roster and they kind of take off from there. And and I just think there's just such an arrogance about the organization. And and um, you know, that's that's a that's a, a cultural thing that starts with, you know, uh executive leadership. It's a coach thing that, you know, I don't think he's I don't think Darvin Ham quite trusts himself to, you know, really have a go at some guys. Like, it would have been nice to see him with D'Angelo Russell. D'Angelo Russell today twice on two different plays, guarding Luke Kennard, who, like, the, 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 the entire scouting report on Luke Kennard is he's a shooter. Like, if, he, if, he, if he's playing at the gym and he touches the ball, everybody on the court screams fire or shooter or yeah. something like that. And, and yet, on two different occasions, one pass is all it takes D'Angelo Russell is out of position. On one play, he fouls him. And on another play, uh, Kennard hits an open corner three. And and it's just like it, all it took was one pass. Nothing happened. No action. Nothing. <laughs> that was that like D'Angelo Russell just kind of like wanders away from the best shooter on the court. And, and you know, like I'm using that as an example. But over the course of the, of, of the game, that was happening all over the place. Xavier Tillman played the game was fucking life. Uh, because the Lakers were like, you know, some of that, like uh, Darius pointed out on Twitter, that some of that is is the different coverage that the Lakers have to have against Tyus Jones and Desmond Bain in pick and roll, and how that puts that that forces AD in particular to show a yep. little higher, and it opens up the paint, right? Um, and and like, yeah, that that's context that needs to be taken into account, but also. Not a single time did did Xavier Tillman feel like out of uh, you know out of comfort comfort zone. Mm -hmm. He was he was comfortable the whole goddamn game. He was just wandering <laughs> into the paint. I wonder if anybody anybody's going to touch me. No. All right. Fine. Here's an offensive rebound. Here's a layup. I don't. I think it took it took until like a last second quarter shot for him to miss a shot in the, in the first half. And, and yeah, like if, if, if that's how he's going to play and on the other side of it, you have uh, Anthony Davis going four of 14, D'Angelo Russell going two of 11. One of those four makes from uh, AD is a three pointer that didn't matter at the end of the game. Um, yeah, that's, I think I'm that's going to sum it all up. 
I'm I'm sticking with three for 19 for both of them combined. They both got their buckets kind of in that late. Uh, Harrison calls it a fake comeback, right? I think I don't think it was as fake tonight. I think there was some validity to it. But basically, Memphis had the game out of hand. D'Lo and AD yeah. were three for 19 combined. I want to flip that Kennard to thing as well. They had Kennard on D'Angelo Russell, right? And he was ball yeah. pressuring, and D'Lo could not shake him. And he was, like, kind of rattled by that. And I was watching yeah. the game, I'm like, D'Lo needs to be able to take advantage of a Luke Kennard matchup. Yeah. Like, if wherever the ball goes on the floor, if we can't get AD, they started fronting AD as well. That's a little bit of a uh, of a counter that uh, that Taylor Jenkins was doing. Jaron Jackson Jr. also was a lot higher on the screen. I was surprised we weren't ready for that. They weren't just going to let Austin Reeves come around and hit mid-range jumpers again this game. Uh, yeah. Jaron Jackson Jr. was a lot higher, and we just weren't prepared. And again, our physicality wasn't ready for that. But I thought, yeah, D'Lo, hopefully that was his worst game of the playoffs. He had a bad playing game, obviously. But uh, the aggression kind of stepped up on him, and he wasn't ready. And this was my worry, Anthony. No John Morant means that your defensive scheme has to change, right? Your defensive scheme has to be a little bit more aggressive. You can't just let Tyus Jones come off and shoot. And I thought Isaiah Roddy came in and hit some big threes. Dylan Brooks hit some hit some threes as well. That kind of put the game out of uh, out of reach. But our defensive coverage had to be different, and we just weren't ready. And uh, Memphis came out and took it. But I hope Anthony, the Lakers don't just take this as we didn't try hard and go into game, you know, go into a uh, game three as like that was the yeah. issue because there were adjustments that Taylor Jenkins made, and we're gonna have to uh, uh, adjust back. If that's the, that's the way to put it. Counter, yeah. Um, Counter. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Been a long day. Raj is ready to go in this early. <laughs> Raj just let Luke Kennard wander away for three. Um, no, I, I, you mentioned the physicality, and um, I'm, I'm just gonna call it like I see it. AD got punked, man. Like game, like throughout the entirety of the game, he kept getting the catch down low, and he kept, you know, he got blocked twice by John Conchor. Yeah, and twice. and and he kept like. Well, like the part of why he he kept on getting blocked, like whether it was Conchar or whatever, or was missing shots, right? Four fourteen for a center is fucking pathetic, man. That that's just like a bad game, and and like what they it comes down to, there, right? That's the he that's kept the on assuming that. the fetal position every time he caught the ball in the paint, and and like you know, uh, like I I I I mean that literally. Like he kept catching the ball. I remember in elementary school, you would always have like one or two kids on the court who would like who didn't know how to dribble but they wanted to go out there and play uh basketball and every time they caught the ball they would just kind of like turn their backs to the defense and and just kind of like hope that somebody comes and literally like their teammate literally comes and like grabs the ball out from their abdomen and that's what it kept on looking like with ad where he just kept on catching the ball in the middle of the paint um on switches on opportunities that like should be clear catch go up catch dunk mm -hmm. type opportunities and he kept catching it and he kept on waiting to get pushed and he kept getting pushed and like i know fans like are are, are sitting here saying like how can he only shoot four free throws um given all the attempts in the paint in the postseason in particular and especially on the road what you're not going to get as uh, you know down low are foul calls where you're following that you're falling away before the contact happens right it's like yeah. it, 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 it that's when you set the tone of like oh i'm getting pushed off my spot through legal contact from there you give a, de a, a defender an inch they're going to take a mile and and that's what it kept looking like and you know ad he started the game really well defensively he had four blocks in in like mm -hmm. the first like quarter or two or whatever 
looked good on that side. But at some point, man, like he shot, he has shot six free throws in two games, and and I really think a lot of it comes down to like he's getting punked. Like Jaron Jackson Jr. shoving off of a spot. Um, I know Xavier Tillman is the kind of defender that he doesn't like to face because you have that low center of gravity and he can kind of get under you. Um, and that's basically like all of Memphis is like the the I think the collective you know, center of gravity across Memphis's roster is all underground. So like you do have a lot of guys that can kind of get underneath him and move him off of spots. But at some point, he's just going to have to raise up and dunk on the entire city of Memphis. And I'm still waiting for that to happen. And I'm really concerned that he isn't going to do that because he doesn't want to go to the free throw line. Yeah, I mean, he did. So it's funny. He got his like eye elbowed, right, by uh, by Desmond Bain on like a jump yeah. ball. And I was like, maybe. Super weird play, too. Because like. Yeah. Horrible toss. The, the, well, it's like the, <laughs> the referee is standing right there yeah. and they're going into this jump ball and the referee stops the jump ball because he sees Bane committing a foul. And he's like, well, don't do that. Do over. We're going to try it again. And it's like, that's a foul. <laughs> and then, and then Bane does it again. And then he swings up through like a more natural motion or whatever. And he catches AD on the, on, on the face. And it's like, if you called the first one, AD would have a whole eye right now. But sorry, go ahead. No, 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 no. And then, like, I was thinking maybe he shoots better with one eye, and he went up there and hit both free throws. I was like, let's just close the whole thing. Maybe two, yeah. you know, two eyes is too is too much for him. Um, yeah. But yeah, like, I, so. One eyebrow, one, one eye kind yeah. of thing. <laughs> yeah. And, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that works. Uh, so Memphis started switching a lot more, and so, like, they had Dylan Brooks on him, and they were just super physical, right? And part of the Lakers, how they've been winning, actually, is getting to the line. So, like, that adjustment also, it feels like it's taking a second. You see it with Austin Reeves as well, right? Austin's getting none of those um, bump shot calls anymore, yeah. right? That's all That's all gone. Like, he has to be absolutely mauled to the floor <laughs> to get to the line. Mm -hmm. And even then, those Jaron Jackson Jr., that Jaron Jackson Jr. foul, that should have been free throws. It should have been free throws, yeah, six-point game. Absolutely. Not that that, you know, decided the game. But, uh, yeah, so AD had Dylan Brooks on him and took, like, a fadeaway jumper. I was like, oh. Let's not let's not do that. And then Memphis went up by like eleven early. But yeah, like those jump hooks and stuff weren't there. Again, like you compare that to how we started game one, Anthony. It was like quick move, post hook, jump hook, yeah. quick move, uh, fade away in the paint. Um, but Memphis did a nice job. They were aggressive. It was obvious that Jenkins told um, Xavier Tillman be super aggressive with him, and uh, he was, and he just couldn't match it. He got swatted, I think, like five times at the rim. Yeah, and they're looking for the call. Maybe the refs are a little bit in their head, but. Um, you're gonna have to adjust. I don't think those calls are are coming. It was like 21 free throws for each team. The Lakers at one point, Anthony, I think had like a 17 to five free throw advantage or something, and that eventually got evened out. But yeah, he needs to be more aggressive. And four free throws to me, that's the number. And also two offensive rebounds, that's the number yeah. as well for me. Like to me, that's where the Lakers need to be dominant inside. And two offensive rebounds to me is is just not enough for him. Yeah, I I I don't mean to pile on here on AD. Um, but I said on the lowdown yesterday that like I, I was really curious how he was going to respond in this first game after getting like zero respect from his peers, right? It's one thing with like a media award where, you know, voters are, are going to feel a certain way about the stuff, whatever. Like it, players, they, they care about what the media says about them, but they certainly care a lot more about what their peers are saying about them. And the fact that like Anthony Davis's peers voted him on the same level as Walker Kessler, who had a great season, all that stuff, whatever. But he's still a rookie, 
And 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 like when when they're getting asked who is the best defensive player in the league, and he gets as many votes as Walker Kessler, I thought, all right, let's see how he responds here. Let's see if he if he comes out to this one with you know middle fingers a blazing, and and like really like takes over. And you know, we I, I was hoping to be able to send because like in the in the fourth quarter in game one, the Lakers were picking on Jaron Jackson Jr. And and it was like I, I was hoping to be able to like go back to that well again and send the Michael B. Jordan uh Black Panther like this your king meme, you know, like that like that like this year this year defensive player of the year. But instead, I wasn't able to say that about John Conchar. Like, like this guy, like, it's just, it was just, I, I thought it was a really piss poor performance. And like, you know, there was a, there was a segment there where, um, you know, the sideline reporter is talking about how uh, Jared Greenberg, I think his name, mm-hmm. um, is, is talking about how like AD has been this vocal leader and he's trying to like really step up into like, you know, whatever vacuum is left whenever LeBron departs, however that might be. And like that's cool, and 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 as that's going on, I I could see that on the defensive side of the, of of the ball, but as he's talking about that, AD hadn't even gotten to like double digits in scoring, and and you're in a playoff game that like, if the Lakers win this one, they put they put this series in an absolute chokehold. They're going back home with the opportunity to sweep, and and like yeah, selfishly you have to lose one so that you know they can win in five. Um, and, and I would like for that ticket to cash, Lame but still like, yeah. <laughs> but still <laughs> like it's, <laughs> I, I'm still looking at like the, the way that they showed up and, and, and I really think like the tone for the way that they played, especially in that first half was all AD. Like they all just kind of looked at it. Oh, okay. I guess he doesn't have it fine. Well, well, and it well, finally took LeBron getting like yelled at by Dylan Brooks for anybody to start giving a fuck about this game. <laughs> Yeah, and I'm sure that wasn't the when Dylan Brooks started chap, chirping. It's just when LeBron heard it, right? I'm sure Dylan Brooks was yeah. talking the whole game. LeBron yeah. just decided to hear it right there. But Anthony, forget about the voting thing or the the you know his peers. Jaren Jackson Jr. got his Defensive Player of the, the Year award right tonight. there, like right, yeah, tonight in front of him. And I was like, oh, okay, that's great. Like usually that's yeah. like a curse already. Like when you yeah. accept an MVP or whatever it is or or any kind of award, it kind of puts your team. It, I think that's just it, Dirk, but yeah. Oh, okay. Okay, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I remember one time we had something when Kobe, I think, got his MVP, and that game was was tough. But uh, yeah, like uh, what? Um, yeah, AD. I was hoping would come out against Jaron Jackson Jr. You know, getting his Defensive Player of the Year, and defensively, I thought it was fine. But Anthony, I think AD has the biggest gap between like when he's engaged, like when he's engaged offensively, and when he's yeah. not. Like it's the biggest gap that you'll ever see he has these one for eight nights and then he has these like 37 point nights yeah. like he had in chicago where it's like four, or the home game in chicago and you compare that to like the road game in chicago where he had like 38 you're like dude this is the same guy these shots are the exact same the same can't team change. same same exact team uh same as that guys around you um and yeah so he just didn't have it and maybe that was a team-wide thing you talk about culturally i think the whole team went into this like, hey, let's just get out of Memphis healthy. We got our split. Let's go home and, and take control of the series there. It's just dangerous thought process. You 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 know you mess up the opportunity to go up 2-0. Um, but like I you know I thought we would lose this game, and I think you know that it's very tough winning two road games. So it's just putting that into the perspective here. But yeah, disappointing the way it's lost. I thought it was going to be Memphis just jumps out on you. They're up 15 to 18 in the first quarter. That's not really what happened. Both teams were cold to start. And then D'Angelo Russell had that inbound pass where he, you know, inbounded it to Luke Kennard and then fouled him. Um, and then we had some, other, we had five turnovers in the first quarter. 
uh, just a lot of sloppy basketball that uh, led to this this loss. Not just turnovers, but live ball turnovers. Like yeah. they keep on committing live ball turnovers, and uh, that is such a death knell, you know, for for defenses. Like that is so impossible to to overcome defensively against good teams. Um, I want to talk. I want to talk about LeBron. And, you know, he finishes a game 28 points, 12 of 23 from the field, one of eight from three-point range. Um, You know, I I think him getting pissed off by Dylan Brooks, like the Lakers were already on a 6-0 run when that happened, and then they cut it from there to six. Mm -hmm. And and I, you know, like it's always been the case with, um, with, with LeBron and with these Lakers that, like, he sets the tone, and that's how everybody responds. And and I thought he was really passive at the beginning of the game. I think he like it. It really seemed to me uh, like he was trying to get D'Angelo Russell going, um, and then Russell wasn't really ready, and it really threw everything off. And I don't know. I I understand it in game two of a series that the Lakers are probably going to win anyway, but also this was a real opportunity. And I thought of anybody who would grasp the opportunity that, that was in front of the Lakers here. We know about LeBron's bad uh, game one record in the playoffs. Like that was, that's always been this kind of funny thing with, with his career. But, you know, with this opportunity to go up 2-0 and have this be a short series and get a little bit of rest potentially against, you know, it's looking like Sacramento. It just, it just, it, it felt like while he played well and the numbers are, you know, reflect that he played pretty well, uh, better than everybody else on the roster outside of maybe Rui. Um, I just felt like I, I felt like him coming out passive was a misjudgment of the situation. Yeah, I was hoping he came out and smelled blood. That was like the term I was using earlier. I, I would hope that he came out and, and realized that, you know, Memphis is vulnerable at, right now without John Murray. Yeah. This was a, you know, a place you could take it. But I thought he realized Anthony in the second half. Like you could tell his his aggression went up, not the Dylan Brooks thing, obviously kind of, uh, yeah. it's, it sparked it, but I thought he understood. You saw him in the timeout there, right? Uh, telling him what play to run, which is a nice, mm-hmm. <laughs> nice little, little video yeah. there. And, and they actually like, got thank the... God. <laughs> oh, this job is hard. No. <laughs> <laughs> I thought he Ham was I like, wait, he... I can keep my hands in my pockets during timeouts too. Fuck yeah. Let's go. <laughs> actually ran the same play we've been running which is you know they get lebron in the post against dylan brooks and just throw it over the top to him and he was being fronted but yeah i thought lebron really came like he tried he was a minus 17 though so it doesn't really match like like how the game went i think a lot of that anthony is the again the non-ad yeah the non-ad minutes we're still doing this lebron and Rui, and we're trying to just trade baskets at that time it's not really working we're kind of we're we're getting pummeled um yeah they're not running that group like you needs to run and they aren't not just not just that you're you're playing dennis with that unit so it's like dennis beasley troy brown with lebron and Rui. it's just too many i thought i thought ham coached a bad game rotation rotation yeah i was going to talk about ham here in a bit yeah yeah beasley minutes was just I, i didn't understand those in the second half but uh but anyway on lebron like i thought he got I thought he found like his offensive groove at least in this game. If that's something to take from it, I thought he found like a comfortable way to attack Memphis offensively. His three pointer mm-hmm. didn't go down, obviously. So you take out the one for eight from there, and he actually shot pretty well from non three point line. Uh, got to the rim and transition. Got to the basket. Got some reverse layups. Hit that mid range kind of fadeaway that he likes to hit. Uh, so I thought he found his offense at least, and that's something to take into game. 
three, but yeah, I just did not come out ready. Like the whole team did. They followed his lead. Um, him and Anthony Davis came out lackadaisical and uh, just, you know, going through the motions and uh, Memphis got a nice lead and they never kind of relinquished that. All right. Um, this is where I'm also just going to kind of call it like I see it. Um, at the end of the, at the end of the regular season, I was hoping that we would start to get a preview of what like a playoff rotation would start to look like. Right. And we never really got it. And we were like waiting for it. Like, Hey, at what point, you know, they're playing in these big games. At what point is this thing going to trim from 10 to nine from nine to eight? And when can the Lakers really kind of consolidate their talent and, and really develop an identity? And it turns out we were wrong. Like it turns out like their, their identity here appears to be playing 10 guys and, and, and Darvin Ham is really coaching like early Mike Budenholzer, right? Where, where like you would watch these playoff games and you're, you know, you're wondering, Hey, why is Giannis only playing like 35 minutes? Like why, Mm -hmm. what's the deal here? Um, now you are getting enough minutes. I think from like the main guys, LeBron plays 39, AD plays 38 or whatever. Um, but I do think we're getting too many minutes from guys at the end of that rotation. Malik Beasley is not playable in this series. Like he's just not like he, this is not the, and it'd be one thing if, if he was used like Malik Beasley should be, or basically like how Memphis is using, um, Kennard where go stand in the corner, stand over there and demand respect from whoever's guarding you. And occasionally D'Angelo Russell's just going to wander off in the wrong direction for some stupid reason. And you're going to be open. But stand over there. You don't need to touch the ball. Just stand over there. And 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 like it'd be one thing if that's how they were utilizing Malik Beasley, where it was like, stand over there and create some spacing. Like use your gravity and 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 you know the, the respect that the other team has for you as a shooter, that's cool. Like go do that over there. But they keep on putting him in like handoffs yeah. and pick and rolls and all this other shit. And 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 like there's more of a focus on Malik Beasley when he's out there than Anthony fucking Davis. And it's like, I'm watching, I'm watching this, like the, the, the game plan. It's one thing to play him, but it's another thing to really rely on him offensively for creative purposes. And I think it's made him an already unplayable player, an absolute unmitigated disaster. Like the 13 minutes that he's out there, he's only a minus six on the, on, on the night or whatever. And, and that like, that's why plus minus is lies. But like, you it, it just he's not good defensively they kept on getting weak side rebounds over him because that's like Xavier Tillman is just walking him down underneath the basket and and then you look at him on offense and he's trying to do anything like with dribbling remember what, how how funny it used to be when Contavious Caldwell Pope used to dribble like it, it's somehow Adventure, worse yeah it, it, <laughs> I, I I just don't I, I don't think Beasley can play from here on out I, I just don't He's also jacking shots, and he's a guy like I wish he let success be his guide sometimes. Like, just once in a yeah. while, let like success be your guide. He's just firing up shots, and he's obviously being told uh, by Darvin Ham, uh, you know, you see a little sunlight, just go ahead. And I'm like, no, let's let's yeah. see the whole sun pop out once yeah. in a while. You know, like, let's see the, let's see <laughs> yeah. the sky with the clouds yeah. sometimes. Because I think when his feet is set, Nice, Anthony, beautiful sunrise shoot. over the horizon. Yeah. <laughs> so his, his three tonight was off a skip pass, right? Uh, we had a skip pass to him. He was sitting, standing in the corner, like you asked uh, just right now. He was standing in the corner. He had this <laughs> corner three switch, yeah. right? But his other attempts are like, so they're trying to pick on Kennard or whoever, and he's like screening, and he's not even setting a screen. He's like slipping just so he can fire, right? And I'm like, dude, yeah. you're like, you're in no rhythm to take these shots, and he's in off yeah. the handoffs as well. 
they're telling him to fire off these and ad's like here you go and he's like shooting feet aren't set just absolutely flinging these shots falling away from the basket too falling falling away and then desmond bain just sees absolute food when you see malik Beasley back there he just goes right at him so yeah i agree with you i i don't think he needs two shifts taylor jenkins like not the basketball coach but like the basketball player would see malik beasley as food out there (laughs) yeah i I'm fine. So, Anthony, I think Darvin Ham is like, okay, here's Malik Beasley. He's a shift. Let me see if he's hot, right? Like, let me see if I can mm-hmm. steal 10 points in two minutes, right? I don't think you need two shifts, though. Like, one shift and Malik Beasley, fine. Let's see if he has it. Yeah. If not, then we move on. But we don't need a, we don't need him. In the, I, he came in for AD. Like, that. the sub was like, <laughs> Malik Beasley yeah. came in for Anthony Davis to fill that uh, Rui LeBron lineup. And I was like, what are we? Jackson's on the floor still. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so I'm hoping we, uh, we, we change that, uh, going forward in game three. It doesn't work like this in the NBA, but like, remember when we were like growing up playing basketball and you check into a game and the person coming off is you, you ask that person like who they got. (laughs) Imagine, imagine AD walking off the court. (laughs) Beasley goes, who you got? (laughs) I got, I got. Oh, oh man yeah the, it's just it, it's a mess like it, it, i think on top of being used too much like yeah i think you i think that's fair um to say that like you give him a, a a stretch in the first half and you see if like if he can bust the game open for you or or, or force a timeout with a, with a couple three-pointers or something like that but once he doesn't you don't need to see him in the second half like yeah. you, you don't need to go back to that you know it's funny um my wife and I were talking about my daughter who like right now is really testing the water. She's like three, uh, she turns four in August and she's really kind of finding her identity, her, her, like who she is as a person. And mm-hmm. she's a lot like me. I test the waters. I like, you know, shocking to everybody listening. I like to ruffle, ruffle feathers. And I did as a kid. And I thought you meant and, like, she's starting to go in the pool. Not like this is actually like, you're just, <laughs> 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 that too that too um she did like we went we went uh on a quick little vacation before the playoffs last weekend and she mm. jumped into the pool on herself on her own for the first time and like realized oh shit i don't float <laughs> 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 um but like but yeah like you know we were talking today and 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 um jen and i were talking about like you know how to handle her developing this attitude and her testing us right like we will tell her, Avery, don't do something. And she will look at us like we have, you know, we sit at the dining room table and we'll tell her, Avery, do not stick your fork into the dining room table. Don't scratch the table. Right. And she will look at us and like, you know, <laughs> and like, and like legit test the waters here. And you'll know, like, and, 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 you know, Jen and I were talking about this and, and, and I'll say like the, the whole purpose of the cliche testing the waters is like, sometimes you put your foot in the water and you find out it's way too hot. Like I should not be in this water. And when Avery tests us like that, we have to like tell her and really put our foot down. No, that's not all right. You know? And, and I think like with Malik Beasley, he's like that test the waters player. You know, you, you, you put them in there, you, you let them wander into the water. And and if it's too hot, as it's been all playoffs, cool. All right. That's more minutes for Rui. 
It's more minutes for for AD against Jaron Jackson Jr. instead of like this this the and also like I don't this still doesn't feel like it isn't a Wenyan Gabriel series to me. Like if you're gonna if you're gonna throw Malik Beasley out there and see what he's got, at least throw somebody out there who like who has some physicality that transfers and and travels more than Beasley's does. And who's gonna play hard, right? As well. Yeah. Um, when you told that story, it made me think. He just won Coach of the Year, so I can I can say this, I guess. Um, when Andrew Bynum took that three from Mike Brown and just absolutely <laughs> like looked at him gone. while doing it, <laughs> <laughs> just looking at him like the whole time, like yeah, this is yeah. what I just did. He got pulled um, right away. No, and then Malik, Malik Beasley and another guy who I think. So you said you think this is a Wenyan series. I'm getting a little worried that this is not a Dennis series. Like, and yeah. you know, like I'm, I'm he was concerned. bad. Yeah, and he was bobbling passes. And this might not be, right? Jaron Jackson Jr. is living under there. He tried one layup tonight, Anthony, where he went baseline and tried to reverse layup on the side that Jackson was on. And Jackson, like, <laughs> was so shocked. <laughs> you know, he did block it, but he was like, are you serious right now? And yeah. it, it went <laughs> it went to Vanderbilt, and he laid it in. But I'm worried about that as well. Dennis is also a guy, you worry about these type of players in the regular season. Um, he lives off the free throw line, right? He lives off that, uh, like, Lou Williams is kind of in this in this uh, in this category as well. They live off of like getting that bump and getting to the line. In the playoffs, yeah. you just don't get that call. So yeah. a lot of times, Dennis in transition is like not even focusing on making the basket. He's like bumping a bigger physical guy, whoever it is on Memphis. He's just not getting the call. So he has to kind of adjust how he plays a little bit in that. But he's a six-one guard. Like it's if he's not getting to the line, it's gonna be really tough to score on these big wings. So I'm worried about him. And Beasley as well. Um, those two guys who obviously are going to be main, who look like mainstays in our rotation. This might not be a series for them. So I'm a little, a little yeah. worried about that. I mean, that would trim it down from a ten man rotation to an eight man rotation. That's fine. Yeah, that's a that's are, a playoff rotation. That's what this should look like. Are you, you know? are you in the LeBron and AD should play forty minutes camp now? Are you in that uh, <clears throat> that camp? In You're these home games, it, right? yeah. In okay. these home games, I would say yeah, because okay. they cannot lose either of these games like these are these are two absolute must-win games and then from there like you know see how it goes in memphis here's my thing though why not do that in the games where we have two days off afterwards like i don't understand why not doing that now you know i mean so now you're gonna play saturday and monday so you only get one day off and now you're gonna play them the 40 minutes it just i think ham's gonna stick to this rotation until we're really on the ropes and hopefully that that doesn't happen uh hopefully we win these next two games but I think this is going to be the rotation for now. I don't think Wenyan's going to enter. Um, it feels like it's going to be this nine man. It's really nine right now, right? And uh, with with Wenyan and Mo and all those guys out, um, so we'll mm-hmm. see. Troy Brown again was struggled tonight. Didn't make a shot, um, and we just didn't shoot well. But yeah, I think it will be interesting to see going forward where the where the rotation moves to. I think the Lakers have to find, and part of this is like defensively, they weren't getting enough stops and they, they certainly weren't getting enough live ball turnovers, but they have to find a way to get out and transition. Yeah. They, 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 I know LeBron is a lot more comfortable in the playoffs playing slow and all that stuff, walking the ball up and picking apart the opposing defense. Um, but I, they haven't played enough together to, to, I think approach it that way and just getting out. Like that's where Beasley is the most comfortable, right? Those those mm-hmm. trailer threes that he hits on the wing. Like when was the last time we saw him take one of those? You know, he's playing with a unit that can't get stopped. Like so, like we have him yeah. with our worst defensive unit, and so which again that makes no. You playing your worst defender with your worst like rim protecting unit, and it's yeah. just it's it's doomed to fail to me. Yeah. 
Um, all right, let's talk. Let, let's let's talk about the series. Kind of moving ahead here. Um, I would anticipate Jaw plays. I think um, in 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 game three. Uh, I they the the framing around it is basically like this is a pain tolerance thing. It's just a like a it's a surface bruise. It's not a bone bruise. Uh, was one mm-hmm. of the uh, things that they made sure to identify here. So I think Jaw plays. Um, I'm going to offer up like a, I think this is probably a hot take, but I think Memphis, Memphis matches up with the Lakers a lot better. Like not, not just better, but noticeably better with jaw out of the lineup. I was waiting to kind of offer it up. I wanted to see it, but like when jaw is out there, you have a use for Vanderbilt defensively. Mm. When Jaw is handling a pick and roll, it allows AD to play deep drop and just swallow up swallow up the paint. Um, Jaw is an incredible player, and and it wouldn't shock me at all if he plays so well in Game Three that I look like a complete moron saying this. But like the way that the the Lakers defense always falls apart is when they get stretched apart, and then you get the penetration through the gaps that that get created by being stretched apart. And, and that's what we saw here where, you know, we're watching this and Jen's like, hey, it's only like an eight-point game with, you know, six minutes to go. That's not, that's not completely out of reach. I'm like, it, it feels like an 18-point game because the Lakers couldn't get stops. They, they, there was nothing that they can do to go out there and get stops. So um, if, if Jaw is out, how, what adjustments do you think the Lakers have to make? What, what do you think they have to do here? to match up against a, a team that I think matches up better with the Lakers than than when Jaws around. Yeah, I'm not sure I agree. Like, it's better. It's just different, right? You have to change your your scheme around that. You, you, can't, you can't play off of two guys, right? And tonight, Dylan Brooks did hit shots. I also thought they wanted to play off um, Roddy as well, try to make him shoot, and he made a couple of yeah. credit to him. Uh, but, yeah, like, if Jaws out, I think you have to be a little bit more aggressive on the screen. I thought our on-ball defense was pretty terrible. I thought D'Lo as well, just to start the game, was really bad. Ties Jones and everyone honestly got to the paint. They they had like 36 points of the paint in the first half or something like that. Mm-hmm. They had a ton, it was like 36 to nine or something like that with the advantage in the paint. And that's just too much for a team. They should not beat you off the dribble that easily. Like uh, I think there was one play where Rui got beat off the dribble by like Luke Kennard. I'm like, dude, like that, that 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 shouldn't happen. You shouldn't get beat <laughs> yeah. off the dribble by Luke Kennard. And that happened all night. While the Lakers Ron, couldn't beat Luke Kennard off the dribble. Uh yeah. And uh so yeah like Dylan Brooks as well got got to the rim a little bit and I think that's where you can clean up you can play a little bit more positional defense without John Morant to me there's no one that should cook you one-on-one really I mean if you look around the basket maybe Desmond Bain but even him uses a lot of picks to kind of get going their yeah. offense tonight was Bain Jaron Jackson screen rolls which you should be able to cover a little bit better uh I like Austin on Bain the best but yeah, I think you can clean it up. I think with Jaw, there it's still a lot more dynamic. Jaw's ability to get to the rim and just cause havoc to me is a little bit more difficult than uh, Tyus Jones. Really, I mean, he had a. I think he played okay. He didn't really go off, but yeah, just the really. stylist, just the stylistic difference. I thought we didn't adjust enough, and we weren't intense. We didn't master intensity. We got uh, we scored like forty points in the first half. We got like zero offensive rebounding compared to what we usually do didn't get to the foul line and then you had ad and d'lo shoot like they had blindfolds on so like I, that all that combined i think was it should you should be able to take care care of business against a team without john Morant at home yeah like like um to your point the lakers only gave up 103 points yeah um, on the road 
you know. So like that, defensively, I guess weren't weren't really the weren't, wasn't really the issue here. The the problem was offensively, like even Austin had like an okay game, right? But five of twelve from Austin, two of eleven from D'Lo, um, Davis four of fourteen. Vanderbilt was three of five, but he had a lot of opportunities that like you know were kind of put on a platter for him, and he made the wrong reads. Um, so LeBron has to stop, shot stop passing to him with two people in the paint. Like, he's just not going to go up. He's never <clears throat> going up against yeah. two people. He's going to catch the ball, hold, uh, and then he doesn't finish well anyway when he's open. So when two people are on him, LeBron keeps trying to throw these dicey passes to him. But, yeah, like, I think Vando should just go stand outside and, and set some screens. Uh, don't uh, watch, watch the cutting on, on LeBron. Well, I thought Vando time. did a lot better job in game one of, like, yeah, he was making his cuts as soon as his guy was looking the other direction. Whereas like this was a lot more mechanical where like, okay, one, two, three, I got to cut. Like, it doesn't matter what's going on there. I got to go. And, and, and I think he's got to get um, better and more aware there, but yeah, Vanderbilt, like in the off season, please, man, just like learn a floater, like one floater, bud. like just, just, I don't think you have it in you, but it sure as hell is better than like just jumping and landing with the basketball. It has to be. Or or a right hand. I'd live with that at the rim. A right hand layup would be nice. You know, the floaters, yeah. you know, it's maybe two summers from now. But, like, you know, a right hand layup would be would be nice. <laughs> I think he, he does a lot of plays where, like, he keeps trying to go up left. But, yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, that is going to do it here for this episode of the Lakers Lounge. Again, the Lakers lose 103-93 in Memphis. The series is now tied 1-1. to The Lakers do squander a real opportunity in front of them. And now, like... You know, as as the series shifts back to LA, these two games are absolute must wins. Like there is, you know, we we talk about like not being able to fake desperation in in, in game two here because the Grizzlies are were the the more desperate uh, team, but the Lakers like unquestionably have to be the more desperate team here, and and really just like I'm I'm waiting for. I'm waiting for the statement game, you know, like Minnesota was, was playing shorthanded in that one. The Lakers just kind of like squeezed that one out at the very end game one against Memphis. That is also shorthanded. Yeah. It was on the road and all that stuff. And Memphis has still been good this year um, under almost any circumstance, but still like it took a run at the end of that one to, to make that a double digit uh, win here. And then in, in this one with the, the, the incredible opportunity, it was, they didn't show up. In, in the first half. So I'm, I'm waiting I, for a statement here. I just want to give credit really quickly. I thought Rui Hachimura played yeah. really well again. Uh, 20 points for him, and it showed me a lot. Obviously, only two for four from three this time. Didn't have five threes, but took them with confidence. His threes were huge. They were momentum-building ones. Got us back in the game. And then all those, like, mid-shots. I thought, you know, Memphis comes with a level of physicality that you kind of have to match and also give right back to them. And I thought mm-hmm. Rui did that every single time. Like you talked about AD. I think punk is strong word for me. I'm going to say he's kind of soft. Um, but I thought Rui was able to like go right. <laughs> Might not okay. be much better. <laughs> <laughs> punk a better, is a little I strong. I thought he got bitched out. Like I thought he had no. <laughs> Uh, too synonymous, I guess. Xavier, uh, but... Xavier, Xavier Tillman Sr., the senior was added mid-game here tonight because he turned Anthony Davis into his child. But... <laughs> Oh man, uh, no, I love you, AD. Plus, some good games three and four. But uh, I, th- you know, I thought, <laughs> I thought Rui did a really nice job, like, like 
bringing the physicality back to Memphis. He was seven for 12, super efficient. Again, minus seven on the night. I thought a lot of that, again, was those really small ball linemen. But Anthony, I think we found a closing lineup, right? I think Austin, uh, Austin, D'Lo, Rui, LeBron, and AD looks like it'll be our closing five going forward, mm-hmm. you know, uh, give, and, give and take Jaron Vanderbilt's role. But I thought Rui was great. Again, 20 points again. I was hoping to be able to rub this into Desmond Bain, but he wins the battle. We can win the war, hopefully, uh, on game three. Yeah, I kind of wonder if if Jaw doesn't go, if it starts to make a little bit more sense for Rui to just start um, because there Definitely. just isn't a use for Vanderbilt defensively. Um, you know, unless you're going to put Vanderbilt, like I would like to see Vanderbilt try to guard Bain. You know, I would like to see Vanderbilt, um, you know, like it, it, it provides a use for the guy. Um, but the problem there, though, is that like if you do that, then you have one of Russell or Reeves on, who would that be? Tillman, yeah. In that, Tillman, that Tillman yeah. 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 Um, so yeah, I, I'd like to see I it we'll see. Like we'll see what it looks like and stuff. But if 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 uh Jaw doesn't go, I think it might make some sense to um to to, to start Rui and and go with him like for f- Rui should be getting thirty five minutes, man. Like he he he, he thirty five plus and he doesn't play in a way that like he he would get fatigued. You know, he doesn't remember like Alex Caruso, the conversation with Caruso was always like, you know, he plays so hard defensively that that might not scale up. Right. And it turns out it did. As we found also, out, that but, was that was never proven. Like, I was like, can we see it? Like, can, yeah, is, is that just is that a theory that's like hasn't been proven out? But like, but I, I don't feel like Rui has that style of play. I think his game can scale up without having it yeah. to be like, you know, formally tested and. You know, if those minutes come from Troy Brown Jr., if those minutes come from Malik Beasley or, or Vanderbilt only played 22 minutes, I don't know if he can play much less than that and still start. But, but yeah, I, I, I do kind of think it might make some sense here to really start um, focusing on, on finding ways to get Rui into more, you know, more parts of the game, especially, yeah, he's just, it's not a Beasley series, man. Like, it's just not. I, I, I what it's it certainly isn't a series where you have both Troy Brown Jr. and Beasley out there. I, I don't I don't think I don't think both of those guys need significant minutes. Yeah, we don't need these all bench units, right? I think that's what it is. Like yeah. you gotta stagger these a little bit more. Um play these play your eight man rotation and, and get some wins out of that. Yep. All right. Again, that is going to do it here for the Lakers Lounge. Thank you very much, Raj, for tuning in. You can check out Raj uh live during these games on all access Lakers on playback. Um, that has been really fun. I just kind of hopped on the other night or last night, I guess, with uh, Aaron and True the other night. That was that was a fun little conversation. Um, always fun to to see what's going on over there. Um, later today, we'll also have a lowdown coming out. And let's see what's today Wednesday. So I guess Aaron yes. is Aaron and I are going to be recording later today. So we'll get his thoughts on the series moving forward as well. Uh, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Make sure you subscribe. Unfortunately, uh, YouTube is still getting some set some stuff set up on the Lakers Lounge YouTube channel, so we weren't able to, to go live from uh, Lakers Lounge on YouTube. Uh, but if you go to YouTube, search Lakers Lounge. will pop right up there. You can subscribe there. All of our shows from here on out, plus some short stuff here and there, um, is, is also going to be sitting there on that page as well. So until the next time you guys hear from us, I'm Anthony Irwin. That was Raj Chapalu, and this was the Lakers Lounge. AD, wake the hell up, man. Come on. (laughs) 